Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Saturday, December the 24th, 2022 at 12.08 p.m. Central Time. Do you feel that? Do you feel, well, at least what I'm feeling? Probably not. Probably most of you aren't even paying any attention to it. You're busy. You have activity, activities going on, maybe family coming in, maybe you're traveling. So you probably don't feel it in any way, shape, or form. But I feel it, and I feel it every time it gets to this time of year. Today is Christmas Eve, December the 24th. And I always have this this sense, this feeling that, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Before I know it, I'm going to wake up and it's Christmas is going to be in the past. Before I know it, it's going to be like, well, that's it. Christmas is done for this year. And it came and it went. And at least as long as I've been a Christian. Now, before I became a Christian, I may have had a, a, some different feelings about it. But after I became a Christian and I was told over and over and over and over and over by Christians, by the church at large, by the evangelical world, that Jesus is the reason for the season, that Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about the incarnation of the eternal Son of God. Since I was told that over and over and over, I always felt this great amount of pressure, right? Okay, it's it's almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. I got to make this about Jesus. What can I do? What can I do? I see. So if I if I spend all day Christmas Eve, all I do Christmas Eve day and night is listen to sermons and read my Bible. And then all I do on Christmas is read my Bible and listen to sermons. And if I can go to church, if if I do that, when I get to Christmas night. 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and it's about to hit midnight, right? And Christmas is gone for another year. Will I, will I feel like, okay, I made that about Jesus? Will I feel satisfied? Will, will I feel like it was sufficient? Or do I feel some kind of emotional letdown? Do I feel somewhat guilty? That or or like okay what what or or am I or am I left with a lot of questions? What was I supposed to feel? I mean, I did everything, but did it really feel about Jesus? In other words, do I am I guilty of placing too high of expectations of what it's supposed to feel like to truly make Christmas about Jesus? I I don't know about you, but I I I struggle with that every year. It's like, okay, okay, it's almost Christmas. I'm going, what am I going, what am I going to do? And I'm going to be honest with you. There's always this count. There's always this struggle internally, right? There's always this struggle internally because on one hand, I, I do really want it to be about Jesus and to be spiritual and to be, I know there'll be something, there'll be something spiritual about it, that it feels like it's truly about Jesus. But there's another part of me, if I'm just being like, Hey, I mean, it's just us, right? It's just us today. So I'm just going to be open and honest, right? There's another part of me, and I know this is going to sound horrible. I don't really care if it's about Jesus. There's another part of me that kind of wants to capture 
well, you know, the magic of Christmas, right? About getting that one gift that is so amazing. Now, I had some really horrible Christmases as a child, but I also had some really good ones a couple of times. And I, and I remember them every year, right? Every year, I remember those. And I, I can just, I remember everything about it, s- certain gifts, staying up all night, playing those gifts, just all the enjoyment, the the kind of the magic of it. You know, you're out of school, you, you know, you get gifts, you you stay up all night, you just eat food, you play your games and, and or whatever you're doing. And it's, there, there's a, there's a part of that, that I wish I could recapture that. But now you're an adult. So you don't really, you can't really recapture kind of the magic of Christmas you had as a child, right? I mean, it's kind of gone. And I think this leads to a lot of depression for a lot of people, right? Because there's there's something about it that you're like, I wish it was like, you may not ever verbalize it, but there's something inside of you going, I wish I could recapture that. But before you know it, before you know it, I mean, I it's, it's look, you're going before you know it, it's going to be Sunday night. It's going to be Christmas night and it's going to be over. I mean, you're going to be like, it's midnight and it's over. Christmas is gone. And whatever you were hoping for, it's gone. And, and so I have these two competing things going on inside of me on some, on one hand, I'm like, I wish it could be one of those great Christmases I had as a child. I wish I was going to get that wonderful gift and I was going to be excited about it, but that's, it's not happening. On the other hand, I'm like, man, I wish I could make it about Jesus. I wish I could make it all about Jesus. But have you ever noticed? And this is just how, this is just the depravity inside of us. That sometimes those people who say they're going to make it about Jesus, right? They're going to really make it about Jesus. And they're going to listen to sermons. And they're not going to participate in all of the secular holiday, the federal holiday. They're not going to do the gifts. They're not going to do any. They're going to stay away from all of that. Have you ever noticed how for many of those individuals who do that, all they do is become judgmental and condemning because in a roundabout way, they really make it about themselves. It's almost like, look at me. Look at how spiritual we are. We don't do that. We don't do that. We make it about Jesus. I'm like, well, if you're, if you're making it so much about Jesus, you sure are sounding like you make it a lot about you. That's another, that's another problem. Sometimes when we try to make it about Jesus, we end up making it about ourselves. That I, I talked about it already this year that, that I have, I've mentioned it many times. I've mentioned it many times uh, from the pulpit at my church is because we, no matter what day Christmas falls on, we always have a church service, no matter what. Sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, but we always have one on Christmas Day. Because my thing is, if you're a Christian and you're going to run around telling everyone the reason for the season is Jesus, well, then you have to be the one first and foremost to demonstrate that, right? So, um, but I I have said before that there's always a danger that we could hold a, a Christmas service and we can be like, look at us, look at us, look at, in other words, we're holding a Christmas service and it's no longer about Jesus. It's about us making a point. It's about us trying to look more godly. And so if we, if we are showing up simply to make a point, guess what? We're no more godly than any, we, in fact, we're probably more ungodly than the people who canceled services and stayed at home. So we can't show up to make a point. There's just all these competing. I think there's so many issues surrounding Christmas. That's why it leaves some people just utterly depressed and discouraged. There will be tonight, tomorrow night. If you've ever worked at an ER on Christmas Eve 
Christmas night, you know, almost guarantee someone's coming in because of a suicide attempt, took an overdose, cut themselves, something. In many cases, it's it's simply a cry for help. It's a plea for help. They are dis- they are depressed. They're empty. And I think there's all these competing things that what we want Christmas to be. We want to recapture what it was as a child. That's gone. We want to recapture that. And it's it's just it's it's before you know it it's here and it's gone. And then if you if you're if you're looking and then for some it's a time of great loneliness depending on what's going on in their life. They're just alone. That either broken family relationships or death or whatever, and they're alone. That that can lead to great depression. So it can be trying to recapture the magic of of childhood being alone, or if you add the whole spiritual element, I want to make it about Jesus, but then you kind of know you really want to make it about yourself, and then you feel kind of guilty, you feel let down, or you end up trying to make it about Jesus, and ultimately you just make it about yourself, and all you do is really become condemning and hateful at everyone else. There's so many things that come into it, just because it's such a it's such a big day, um, at least if if you just think about it from uh, at least here in the United States of America just from a cultural perspective i mean everything shuts down it just it, it just has this feeling that hey there's there's something there's supposed to be something special about this and and even though there's all this feeling that it's supposed to be in reality it's just 24 hours and it will come and it will be gone. Before we know it, Christmas Eve today at midnight will become Christmas Day. And then the next thing you know, 24 hours later, it's just the day after Christmas. And then we just move right on. And then it's going to be New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day. And then right back to normal life, right? Right back to work, right back to responsibilities, right back to the Monday Monday through Friday grind, just right back to life. All of the supposed magic or whatever we wanted the holidays to be, it will be here and it will be gone. And it, I think it leaves a lot of people with just a, just, just a sense of, of emptiness and loneliness and frustration. And, and at least spiritually, I know, I know it, it has been a great source of, of guilt, just a great source of guilt. That how can how can I take the day that's supposed to about be about the incarnation of Jesus and somehow want to make it about me? But let's be honest, so much of Christmas is about us, right? It's about family. It's about food. It's about gifts. It's so much of it is about us. We can't deny that. So how do you work all of that out? I don't know. You may not have any of these struggles. You may not even be able to relate to one thing that I'm saying going, what kind of weird thing did I stumble upon? What is this weird podcast? He's talking about things I've never experienced, but there's got to be someone out there who's like, I'm with you. I, 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 know, I know what you're going through. I know those feelings because it, it is just, it is so convoluted to me. But in spite of all of that, in spite of the fact that it's Christmas Eve, and I know that means nobody is going to listen to this episode, right? I know, I know there's no real reason in even in even doing this episode. But you know what? I, I'm going to do it anyway. And you know what? Tomorrow we'll, we'll be at church, not to make a point, 
just because it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. We will be at church. At least we're, we know we're having in-person services Sunday school and Sunday Sunday morning. I, I, Sunday night is up. up. The, it's uh, we're, Put it this way. We're not 100% sure yet. Um, it's up in the air yet about Sunday night. But I can tell you this, even if Sunday night we, we can't have in-person services because a lot of people are going places and family, they got all kinds of things going on. Um, if for some reason we're not able to have a Sunday evening service, I will do everything in my power to be sitting right here in front of this microphone Christmas night. And I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll, I'll be here for those who may not have anything else going on. I'll try to do something, but I won't. I don't want to walk up the stairs to this studio even tomorrow night or any time tomorrow, and turn on the microphone simply to make a point. Just like, look how spiritual I am. I See, that would be, defeat the whole purpose as well. So, but here's what I was thinking. We have all week for the Today's Focus podcast series, we've been working on Matthew chapter 1. All right? Now, for the Bible study exercise, if you remember, to, I mean, remember the theolo- Theology Central is the podcast, and we have all of these podcast series that fall under, well, the podcast Theology Central. And one of the series we do is the Bible study exercise, which tries to motivate people to get off the couch and actually engage in meaningful Bible study, not just listen, but to participate. There's curriculum, we give homework, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I hope 2023, we even have more people participating. It would be wonderful and would be great. But for the Bible study exercise, we're involved in a seven-week-plus study on the subject of fear. So for this week, I gave everyone a special assignment, right? Because I wanted to make it fun. I didn't want to make it more complicated. And I said, take Matthew Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 and read them over and over and over and over and over and over again all week. Hopefully people have been doing that. And then just go through it looking about anything that would relate to the subject of fear. What are they fearing? What is the solution to the fear? Just, just reading it over and over and over. Kind of, kind of write down everything that you learn and send it to me. Well, I mean, of course I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of participation and there hasn't been, and that's okay. That's okay. But I wanted to give some, some people some things to do. So I thought to supplement the Bible study exercise for the today's focus, which is designed to be about 15 minutes long, which obviously this episode is not going to be. Um, I wanted us to just kind of work through, well, start in Matthew one, see how far we would get and just kind of work through the same uh, verses. Yes, acknowledging anything about fear, but just looking at the verses, maybe in somewhat of a unique and different way. And we, and I think we've had, I think we've done a pretty good job. At least I, at least, you know, may, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not the one who, who's supposed to judge. Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm just too optimistic. But I think our discussions on Matthew 1, 18 to 23, I think they've been fascinating, and I and I would hope that they would generate on a normal and a, under normal circumstances would generate much discussion. Now these aren't normal circumstances because people are busy, people are traveling, so they probably are not paying a lot of attention. But I really hope that maybe some point people will go back and go, "Wow, I've never seen, I've never looked at those verses from that perspective." That's what I'm hoping. So then I was like, "Okay, well it's Christmas Eve. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Do I watch football?" That's getting, that's started. It started at uh, noon. So I'm about 23 minutes late watching that. Do I watch some of the football games on today? Do I watch some movies? Do I just listen to music? What, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, well, 
I, even though I have this conflict of what I want, I know I'm going to at least take my Bible and open it back up to Matthew 1 and do a little bit of reading. So I opened it up back to Matthew chapter 1, and I'm like, okay, I've, wor- I've read and worked on verse 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. And so I just have 24 and 25 to finish out chapter 1. So I opened my Bible and I read these words. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Now, for some reason, when I read the verse this time, and I've read it a bunch this week, I just, I I kind of a unique thought kind of hit me. And so for today's focus... I want us to see or think about obedience and knowledge. Obedience and knowledge. What is the correlation between the two? All right. Or we could say obedience and understanding. Maybe that's even better. I mean, that would have a a little bit to do with knowledge, but obedience and understanding. I like that better. Knowledge would just be to be aware of, truly to understand it. I think I'll go more with that. All right. Obedience and understanding. And here's the reason why. If we look at Joseph in this situation, you talk about an absolute bizarre and confusing situation. He's engaged to Mary. He finds out Mary is pregnant. He clearly knows, not my child. Me and Mary have not been together. Can't be my child. How in the world? I mean, you know these had to be thought. How in the world could she? I mean, we know that that this was his thoughts because he gets ready to put her away. He's going to basically get rid of her. So clearly he is thinking, how dare you do this to me? You cheated on me. You've been unfaithful. This is betrayal. You've hurt me. How could you have done this? But even though he's obviously hurt and upset, he decides, you know what? I'm still not going to publicly shame and humiliate her because love covers a multitude of sins. He kind of goes with this concept. I'm going to put you away privily or privately. And and what we seem to know about that time, he could have done it in such a way where no one would have really understood why he was getting rid of her. Now, it was obvious. It was going to become very obvious. But the point is, he was going above and beyond to try to, to try to to protect her, even though he was hurt. Now, he had to be very confused by why she would do this. Maybe it was not even like how, maybe he's just shocked by the entire thing. But if he was shocked by that, he had to definitely be shocked about what was going to occur because it appears one night he went to sleep. And while he was asleep, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto Mary Uh, to take thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, come on. First of all, an angel shows up in your dream. All right. That's not normal. And And then the angel reveals this very just like you talk about unbelievable, unrealistic, out of your mind, crazy information. Hey, that Mary basically has child because of the Holy Ghost. In fact, the way it actually reads in the King James, that that... For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That child that is inside Mary is of the Holy Ghost. Now, how do you even process that? It's never happened before. It has never happened since. There's no way Joseph can understand 
There's no way he can understand this. The angel goes on to say, and she shall bring forth a son uh, and thou shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. So this child is of the Holy Ghost. He's going to save his people from their sins. Uh, now all, now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with, a, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So, hey, this child is of the Holy Ghost, going to save his people from their sins. This is a fulfillment of ancient biblical prophecy that a virgin is going to conceive and bring forth a child. And his name is going to be called, he's going to be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. How do you even begin to process this? How do you even understand? What do you even do with this? You're like, what just happened? And then he wakes up from the dream. And what I love about the text, it's just so just matter of fact right? On one hand, I love it. On the other hand, it bothers me because I would love to just try to see how long did did Joseph have to process this? Because the text is so matter of fact. He wakes up and looks at this. I love this. Verse 24. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. It's like he wakes up and it's like, look, okay, let's get married. Hey, he wakes up. Hey, Mary, let's get married. What, what, What happened? What happened? Joseph, what Hey, it's all good. I understand now. You're good. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, how, 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 how do you even process this? It's the most, like, he's hearing information that has never been heard for before in the history of the human race and will never be heard again in the, in the history of the human race. It was a one-time thing. And Joseph wakes up and is like, okay, all right, Mary, let's get married. And it's like, well, what, what just happened? So I started thinking about this, about obedience and understanding. He obeys. He immediately obeys. But does he truly understand? And I think that there's a a kind of a lesson here. The Bible never calls for us to truly understand why something is either wrong why there's a command. It just says, here's what God prohibits. Here's what God commands. Do this. Don't do this. This is what you're, this is what you're called to do. Or, or don't do this and do this. However you want to look at it, prohibits first, commands for, you get the idea that, that the scriptures just tells us this is the way it is. Flee this. Don't do this. If you do this, this is the result. Do this. It doesn't explain it in any, there's no explanation in many cases. It's just stated, this is the way it is. And sometimes we don't understand why it's that way. It seems to make no sense. But the Bible never seems to say, only obey what you understand. It seems to imply that we obey even when we don't understand. Does your understanding help or hinder your obedience? I think in a, in a, in a and I'm going to throw this out kind of as a hypothesis, we really can't let it help or hinder. Really, it should have no impact. 
We're, all we can do is like, oh, well, this is our job, Vera. What does the scriptures actually say? What is actually being commanded? What is actually being prohibited? Making sure that we're not adding anything to it or taking anything away because of our own desires, our own feelings, or anything. First, all we, all we can do is like, this is what it says. It may not make any sense. It may be messy. It may be ugly. It this is what it says. We may not understand. We, we may not understand it. It may go. I mean, look, every command and every prohibition goes against usually something inside of us, right? Maybe, maybe some prohibitions don't bother you or certain commands, but there's plenty that goes against what we want. So we already struggle with it goes against what we want. But in this case, what I want you to see is that our, your understanding of it is irrelevant to our call to obey it. It doesn't say obey what you understand. Joseph has to is obeying here. Do you think he can understand? I he couldn't can't even process that. Well, wait a wait wait a minute. So the child that's inside of Mary is of the Holy Ghost. He's going to save his people from their sins. This is a fulfillment of ancient biblical prophecy, and he's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Sure, makes perfect sense. Let me obey. Okay, it's more like oh. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm going to obey. Now, now we don't know his motivation. Now, let's make sure we understand this because sometimes when people look at biblical stories, we always treat the these biblical characters like they're not human, right? We turn them into something like they're not human beings with real emotions. I don't know if if this is simply like, hey, I wanted to marry, wanted to marry. I mean, obviously, I think I think the text seems to indicate Joseph really loved Mary, right? Because if he didn't, he would have had her publicly humiliated. He was trying to protect her, even though it would have looked like she straight up cheated on him. So he obviously had strong emotions for her. I think we can derive that from the text. I don't think that's reading anything into the text. So it may have been a situation, look, I don't understand this at all. But hey, that's what I want to hear, right? I Now I have justification. Now I have a reason to marry her. So may, maybe it was like it wasn't hard for him to obey. Because it may have been like, this is exactly what I wanted to hear. So maybe it wasn't, but I just know this. Whatever was going on in, within Joseph, and we can't understand because the biblical narrative doesn't always give us, it doesn't help us understand what's going on inside of these individuals. That's why sometimes we make them very one-dimensional, which I think is so wrong. We make them so very one-dimensional. And no, they're, they're human beings. There's layers. There's complex complexities, there's emotions, there's desires, there's motivations, they're, they're human. We just don't know. We just can't always speak to that. But in this case, I think the text seems to indicate that Joseph really loved her. And I think this is an opportunity to be go, Hey, thank you. I've got a reason to do so. But when I remove it from Joseph and I look at this as a kind of a challenge to me, it just means when I'm reading my Bible and I see a command and I'm like, uh, what? That makes no sense. My obedience, my the call to obedience is not dependent in any way, shape, or form on my understanding. The call to obey scripture ha- is not dependent on my uh, level of understanding. Now, I don't know if you, what, what you're doing on this Christmas Eve. I don't know. I have no idea. You may be alone. You may be in a situation where you just have some time. I'll I'll just want to hand this to anyone who doesn't have anything else going on today, tonight, or maybe tomorrow. I would I would challenge you to just think, just think from Genesis to Revelation of certain commands 
in the Bible or certain prohibitions where God says you can't do this or do this. I want you to find the ones and make a list of the ones that in your mind, just, just this is just your thing, right? You don't even have to even justify this. Just come up with the commands and prohibitions that make the least sense to you. They just make no sense to you. You just don't understand it at all. And I want you to just look at those and say, and, and, and what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make that list and I want you to read each one. And then at the end of it, I just want you to say to yourself, my, my understanding has no bearing on my call to obey these. Obedience to these commands or prohibitions has nothing to do with my understanding. But I want you to really write down the ones that just makes absolutely, you're like, that doesn't, why? Why is that? That makes no sense. That seems unfair or that seems wrong or whatever the case may be. We, we, see, we, we, we see this a lot in our society right now, right? I mean, if you talk to certain people in society and you say, hey, the Bible pro, you know, prohibits and, and condemns the, uh, homosexuality, a man with a man and a woman with a woman, the Bible condemns that. And someone may say, well, wait a minute, that, that makes no sense. If you love someone and it's genuine, faithful love, you know, very, they're, 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 they are committed to one another. They, they, they are, they're a, mono, they're a monogamous couple who are committed in love to one another. And their love and their commitment is far better than I seem between heterosexuals when marriages are falling apart and all the other issues. What is wrong with, how, how can you make a prohibition or a command against love? That's what they would say. It makes no sense. It's unfair. And whenever I hear that, I, I, I'm always like, look, I look, I understand what you're saying. But here's the thing with the Bible. The Bible doesn't care if we understand it. The Bible doesn't care about our feelings or emotions. It just gives us the commands and the prohibitions. It doesn't care about our feelings. It doesn't care about whether I understand. There's lots of scriptures that I don't understand. So I want you to write down the commands, the prohibitions. Just make a list of them. Make, make sure you write down the scripture. And I want you to actually read them if, if you do this. I mean, I don't, look, I know most people are going to be busy, but for those of us who may not have much going on, please take some time to do this. Because I want you just to see, man, I don't really understand that. Why is that? A, why would God pro, prohibit that? Why would he condemn that? Seems to make no sense. And just Remember. And I just want you to see it, and I want you to just tell yourself over and over and over and over and over again, understanding has no bearing on obedience. My understanding has no impact on it. None whatsoever. It, 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 it doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form. I, I, I cannot stress that enough to you. I want you to see that. I want you to understand that. Because I think that there are... I, I think there's, I think, I think we have this weird notion at times that if I don't understand it, then somehow I get a pass. I'm not saying a lot of people do this, but I think, I know within culture, they're like, well, I, I could never go with the Bible because that just makes no sense that he would, pro, he would condemn that. Well, it, that's the thing. Do you think Joseph does, do you think this makes any sense to Joseph right here? Wait. Okay. Now, again, he may be motivated to marry her. And so he's just glad for this. But I'm just saying he obeys clearly, 
Clearly, he doesn't understand. This obedience comes from no true... There's no way he could understand this. There's no way he could... We, in 2,000 years of church history, think of all the books that have been written trying to understand this. Okay, so, born of a virgin. Okay, so, the incarnation, the Holy Ghost, conceived by the Holy Ghost. What does that actually mean? How do we understand it? Okay, Jesus is truly man, yet he's truly God. I mean, we had to have the whole council to to declare the hypostatic union, right? I mean, there's been all kinds of issues in church history trying to figure all of this out. Joseph would have just been like, okay, so the baby was conceived by the Holy Ghost. I have no idea what that means. The baby is going to save his people from their sins. Don't really understand that. And this is all a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy about a virgin bringing forth a son, and he's going to be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. All right, got it. He just wakes up and just like, okay, clearly it's like, I don't, the angel says to take her, don't put her away, take her to be my wife. That's what I'm going to do, whether there's understanding or not. And I think that that's a good challenge for us today. So let's read. Matthew 1, 24 to 25. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not, very important phrase, uh, till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. In other words, the text is going above and beyond to make sure it's very clear that Mary was a virgin. And the reason I emphasize that is because of all of the argument about the Hebrew word, what, Alma, I think it's Alma, um, in Isaiah 7. Well, that shouldn't be translated virgin. It should be uh, translated young maiden. Well, whatever you make an argument there, when you get to Matthew 1, the text goes, uh, it goes above and beyond to make sure we understand she was a virgin and that they did not have any relations till after, till after Jesus was born. Right? I think that's that just stresses that. But I just want you to see his obedience without understanding. So today, tonight, tomorrow, just make a list of all the scriptures where you're like, I don't really understand why God would forbid that or prohibit that or command that. That doesn't make any sense. And just realize, no matter how much it doesn't make sense, we're still called to obey. Obedience is called for with or without understanding. And that is your today's focus for December the 24th, 2022. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas Eve and a wonderful Christmas. Thanks for listening.